0: Says, get that India, big boy! Call an ambulance! Maybe call a what a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as Forty Twenty, joining me for a massive set of previews across the Easter long weekend. Is my good mate Sixties. Hey, you doing, big fella? I've got three big games to preview. No junior reps this week, but massive games in the Flag Cup and, of course, NRL. Well, we're playing tonight, aren't we? <laughs> I actually had that joke said to me earlier today. Wake up, it's game day, baby. Wait. Yeah. Wait. No, it's not. <laughs> As you record on a Thursday, obviously, the Thursday night eels. Not a thing until the penultimate round of the uh, season now, so good to yeah, have that behind We've us. we
1: got plenty... We've got plenty of time for that trademark ending, haven't we? <laughs>
0: yeah. Got that lodged in the patent office right now, baby. So, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. I, think, I think Mitch did get that that tweet out again uh, about it being match day. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah. It, it does feel weird, doesn't it, getting to a Thursday morning as we record and then there's no game for us to have to worry about in the Parramatta context. Obviously, tonight the Storm and the Roosters do lock horns, the Brandon Smith Cup this week. Uh, But for the Parramatta Real 60s, we've got a game tomorrow on the jersey flag and, of course, the doubleheader on Monday, Easter Monday, with both the Cup and the NRL taking on the West Tigers in their various iterations across the two grades. But for now, let's have a quick update for people that were listening to our news podcast earlier this week when we had Quint on board for the first time. We did a little segment on the West Tigers, mate, and uh, getting caught out in a bit of trouble with their, I say Anzac jersey, but their commemorative jersey, and we've since had a major update care of NRL 360. you want to fill us in, mate?
1: Well, Paul Kent has reported that their investigations have revealed that there was no such seal of approval, no such liaison with the Holesworthy Army barracks.
0: Or, I suppose, Fort Holesworthy if we're going to go off the American imagery.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, I mean, we, yesterday when we were talking about it and we queued the Benny Hill stinger music and, you know, we just had a, a bit of a laugh about Fort Holsworthy. but this is serious business. I mean, we're, we're talking about tr- like, if, if Paul Kent's investigations are on the money and that there has not been any sort of um, seal of approval or tick of approval that the Australian army representatives in Holdsworthy have provided for the West Tigers, then that's a serious, very, very serious uh, question that has to be asked of the West Tigers is, why would you put out media statements about this that implicated that, um, you know, the fault wasn't all your own? Because that's basically what we're talking about. We're talking about that they had not accepted full um accountability for this stuff up and it's a and the more that it goes on the more that it seems that they haven't been upfront that they haven't accepted their role in things fully their role in things the worse it actually looks at the more disrespectful that it becomes i'm you know i'm just astounded and, and this is this is quite apart from the football team. Like we're not putting the boot into the football team, and we're we're saying this with that with the that club being our opponents this week, and all the risks that that takes that brings in with the football gods and and what have you. Because you almost feel like once you stick the boot in, the karma is going to come and and bite you on the proverbial uh, this weekend. But mate. That that starts to become the lowest of the low, doesn't and
0: it? Naturally, NRL three hundred and sixty ripped in like a pack of hyenas going for the corpse because this is that bigger stuff up. But they did raise some valid points, like just conceptually, the whole thing was done terribly. Why was John Bateman, who was a tremendous player, but he's a Brit, like he has nothing to do with the Australia or New Zealand aspect of the ANZAC, the Australian New Zealand Army Corps spirit? Why was he wrapping the or modelling the jersey from the, the get go? Uh, And, you know, it comes back to that whole separation of powers that the Tigers have constantly sort of foisted on the media, saying this is a football thing and this is not a football thing. And, uh, you know, last year they had Tim Sheens out there being the shield for all the football criticisms. And uh, now this is very much an operational thing. And they've got the players out there in that big press scrum trying to deal with all the boys. I think it was Alex Twal and John Bateman uh, were copying all the, the questions there, so... Uh, ridiculous stuff in the Tigers, and like you said, you don't want to put the boot in too hard because they are our opponents this week. But I don't even know if this can be bulletin board material for the Tigers, because no,
1: no, it can't be. Yeah, so it continue, John.
0: No, I was just going to say I don't think it can because this is all self inflicted stuff, and yeah, the media is going to pile on the way they do. Uh, but this is a you know fair to say it's something of a debacle. So I don't know it's- if
1: I can if I can just add my two bobs worth in here. As an outsider with the West Tigers, I've often said that their biggest issue is one around identity. Because as a joint venture, they had that relatively early success of the premiership in 2005, which was a validation for the style of football that they played in that particular year and, and some individual talents and, and, uh, and I, I guess that self-belief that they had within that year, but it, it was quite anomalous when when it boiled down to it because I'm not sure that it was preceded by too much success as a team, and certainly in the years afterwards, it was not something that they were able to replicate. But, look, quite apart from that, as a joint venture, it's always seemed that the you've had the... The Tigers' people and the Magpies' people a little bit at loggerheads. Then you've had issues around locations.
0: Mm-hmm. Where, where is their home? No, is their home like Oval? Yeah, right?
1: Town. Yep. Is it is it um, at Combank Stadium or as it was prior to that, playing at um, Acor Stadium? It's uh, they've got a, a training base that's a, away from all those three areas as well. At, at Concord and as as good as that facility is you then wonder well is that the is that the venue that's closest to what their heart where their heartland is um, Some would argue that their their biggest heartland might now be down in the Campbelltown area but so so what is their identity and we've seen with their I mean their their jerseys have been I guess, um you know that's that's had some debate over the years um as it have they represented both clubs enough in that jersey I, I just look at and of course then there's also the the venues about the what their venues are like because in playing out of three venues okay they've got to uh, they share that well they play some games at our home ground at at uh, combank stadium but then you look at like oval and um and Campbelltown. And as, as far as modern stadiums are concerned, well, they really sit well and truly in the sixties or seventies in terms of design. If you've got Hills like that, you're not a world-class venue. No, you, you're just not. And, and there was issues around patrons being asked to stump up what, $70 a ticket to go and sit on the Hill at, at like oval. Are you serious? I mean, we we're this doesn't impact us. I, you know, I will go to Leichhardt Oval. I've been to Leichhardt Oval quite a lot over the years and watched uh, Parramatta and, and Balmain. And every time I went there, you'd be ages getting out of the wherever you parked, and that was always an issue. And we go there quite a bit in especially in junior reps um, seasons when the, they like to play finals matches there. So no stranger to Leichhardt Oval in more recent times even though i'm not interested in going there as a as an NRL venue because of the ridiculous prices they charge to for the best possible seat that you can get is probably going to be on the hill there because there just isn't the um the seating that's reserve seating that's available in modern stadium so i i just don't get it it's uh, you know i find it a a difficult ground to get away from even when there's only the crowd from junior reps trying to get out of that, that part of uh, Leichhardt is just very, very challenging. So I think they've got issues around the grounds. Um, will they get the funding for that? That's now a political issue. But I think the identity issue comes in again right now with this because they can't get the ANZAC identity right. And and just to that point, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, it's called a commemorative jersey. That's what they've decided to call it. And on 360 last night, the consideration was raised that had they picked it, the problem up internally before the jersey was released, to not release it as an Anzac jersey, it yeah. makes you wonder now, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, because the the wording on the jersey is separate from what would traditionally be called the Anzac jersey. It's a commemorative jersey, so... Like you said, maybe. and
1: they'd be they'd be the only club. I'm. I, I don't even think I need to check this. Calling it anything other than an Anzac jersey, wouldn't they?
0: I'd, I'd say so because I mean, every other jersey is quite heavily billed as Anzac jerseys because it it celebrates the Anzac round in the NRL. Right. So I mean, where
1: like you you have to raise the question, then then what you start to think is. What are they? What had they known? What sort of communication was going on within the club there, in their attempts to cover up where they've stuffed up? Like if they'd known, I mean, they're talking now that they're going to completely redo the jersey. If it's possible now within this shorter time frame, why didn't they own their error internally? in the first place, if they've realised there was a, a monumental stuff up. I, I just don't get it. And then the, the club media statements are very, very well worked out. At any club, like they really spend a lot of time working out exactly how they should word whatever issues going gone on in the club. This isn't someone sits there and works something out in two minutes. Like, they would be having meetings about what is the best way to communicate this to the the wider media, to our supporters, um, and for that statement to come out, as it did about the consultation with Holdsworthy. Like, if, if as I said, Kent's story
0: is yeah, spot on. Yeah, troubling implications for the West Tigers there. Like, that is... Oh. Anyway, yep. let's, uh, let's wrap it up, uh, the West Tigers, mate. Let's get into the Parramatta Reels. Three games across the Easter long weekend, starting on Good Friday with the Jersey flag. The uh, Eels in the flag being a real revelation across the last three weeks, 60s. After that 0-2 start, they're now three straight wins on the trot, playing fantastic team-orientated football. And uh, as expected, Coach Craig Brennan is not making changes unless facilitated by injury or promotion, or suspension too, I guess. And looking at this team, we start at fullback with Lindsay Munro, who's going to hold down that number one jersey, doing a wonderful job there. Uh, very talkative, live-life, the ball on hand, great positioning play as well. On the wings, Terrell Williams moves out from centre to the sideline uh, to accommodate the return of Samuel Loizu in the centres, but he's partnered on the flanks by Lene Fetterica, Will Latu, the other centre alongside Samuel Loizu. In the halves, Ned Hicks and Makapur Fisi, Brock Parker, Jonte Jr. and Befumiza, two excellent front rowers in this grade. They're going to bookend Jacob Davis at dummy half. Jock Brazzle captains the team on one edge with Max Tupu on the other edge. Nicholas Lennars, the lock forward. On the interchange, Riley Lack, Tyson Chase, Nikal Raffaul and Noah Reed. That's your guy right there. Sixty is the 18th player, Lachlan Mears-Crab. They're playing 11 o'clock a.m. out at Lidcombe Oval, taking on the West Tigers. Eels enter this week in fifth position in the flag. They're taking on the seventh place Tigers, so... Very similar seedings on the ladder here. Eels, three wins, two losses. Tigers, two wins, two losses, and a bye. If Parramatta play the way they've been playing, mate, they, they honestly can be fair competition for anyone in this competition. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how long they can maintain uh, this high level of play because it truly is high levels of play. Excellent completion rates, getting to their kicks consistently, terrific defensive pressure. I mean, it, it is very professional football that they're playing right now.
1: It is. They're winning the middle. It's that's been critical. They're showing a lot of defensive grit. They had they did have some late tries that were scored on them by the Dragons on the weekend, but they were off scrum plays where they just got the numbers to for scrums that were set inside the quarter, and uh, the Dragons got over right in the corner itself. So uh, outside of that it was a it was a very very solid win over the dragons and it and it backed up an impressive win over the panthers and prior to that a come from behind victory over the sea eagles where geez, they just had so much that went against them they had the the captain jock brazel was uh, sin binned for something that he shouldn't have been sin binned for um, he was adjudged to have made a tackle on a player without the ball, and in a try-scoring situation, and uh, that just didn't happen. Like the player had the ball, so um, yeah, that was that was unfortunate. But the uh, the comeback, maybe you know that facing the adversity that they did that week was the trigger for them to play the brand of football that they have been playing, and it's. As I said, my belief is it's it's really being established on the back of what the forwards have been able to achieve. And I, as as you alluded to there, I gave a um, a bit of a plug to Noah Reed. I liked what I saw from him, especially last week in his in his game. He's six foot five, has the background coming through the night system there and uh, reached representative levels with Australia and New South Wales uh, coming through the system there. He finds himself now at the Eels. I think he's obviously looks like he's been a very good pickup and uh, his post contact meters. I didn't have any figures on that when I was talking about it before, but just on the eye test were, uh, they were impressive. Uh, There are highlights of Parramatta's uh, game against the Dragons that are available out there on uh, the New South Wales Rugby League site, I'd encourage people to have a look at the sort of football that they're playing for the tries that they've scored. But that of course doesn't sum up the the entirety of their performance, which has, as I said, was has been really based on winning the middle.
0: And uh, I think this is an unchanged lineup for the one that took down the Dragons last week, because Loizu was a late inclusion ahead of kickoff Correct. in Correct. round five. Yeah. So you talk about consistency of roster selection. It's been a real privilege uh, for the jersey flag right now. They haven't had too much disruption outside of Matthew Komalafi uh, going up to the New South Wales Cup a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and obviously before that, Arthur Miller-Steven too. Uh, but they're being consistent in their roster selection and it's no surprise that you're seeing those results on the field on the back of it. Uh, they don't really have to change anything, do they, this week's 60s. It's not going to be a case of over-complicating things. Go out there, win the middle of that really rock-solid forward pack and in the back line, you've got guys like Terrell Williams and Loizu who are going to give you an opportunity to finish off things as well as Lindsay Munro, who has been a real uh, surprise packet because not just because he's light on his feet, which you'd expect from a player of his frame and speed, but the communication, the organisation, the the ability to be there on and off the ball consistently, consistently sorry, has been fantastic. He's been uh, a real uh, energizer of this team from fullback.
1: Well, dare I say it, he's... Possibly their X factor. Yeah, really, really,
0: uh, can't disagree. He's, uh... it,
1: yeah, it, it, it's. Um, I I think you've you've pointed to his assets just then, um, and I, I guess that's the only way that I can sum it up because he brought those qualities into the team, and it wasn't that they didn't have um, certain qualities at fullback because Arthur Miller Stephen when he's promoted to the New South Wales Cup. Has had this had the sort of form in his two games up in New South Wales Cup that warranted his promotion as well, mm-hmm. and it, unfortunately he's injured right now, which is you know to the detriment of the New South Wales Cup team as well. But um, yeah, uh, can also you you've referenced uh, Samuel Luizio. He's I thought he had um, a very powerful game last week. His carries. Were about as strong as I've ever seen Samuel carry the ball. He played a, I, I guess over the last couple of years where injury have stopped him has stopped him from being in the team, but he's been in, increasingly physical in the way that he plays the game, and I thought that this last match summed that up, and also the captain, uh, Jock Brazel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we know. That he's been earmarked by the Eels for higher honours. In that he's someone that had an extended time in the Eels pre-season this year. He had a lot of the SG ball, uh, a number of SG ball and flag players that took part in the pre-season prior to Christmas. He had it a little bit extended after Christmas. I think it was was obviously part of his contract that he did so many weeks of the pre-season. And he just seems to—he like, missed all of last year with that knee injury—and he just seems to be. I, you know, I—I suggest that I'm seeing some of the best football that I've seen from Jock Brazzle. He's obviously older than when we were last seeing him in action as an SG ball player, but yeah, I like the way that he is—he's very aggressive mm-hmm. in both in both his carries. Yeah, the with physicality the football,
0: of his game. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. He he looks like he's going to develop into a, a very imposing back rower. Like he, the opposition will know that he's in a game. And also a, a, another shout out to I think Nick Lanaz has, he's not the biggest player that you're ever going to see. And he started the season at dummy half. We know he's been a player that's alternated between dummy half and a, and a lock position. But he's embraced that move to the number 13 role. And instead of being the one distributing the ball, he's been doing some enormous hit-ups. His defence has never been an issue. He, he hurts when he
0: tackles. Yeah, he's an attack dog in defence. He gets in there.
1: And, and, but for Craig Brennan... um when he wants to give um Davies a, a bit of a rest at dummy half, he just shifts Nick Lanaz into that role. So uh, he's he's really been able to I think he, his performances have have also been instrumental in the Eels victories over the last few weeks. If Absolutely. if people if people have a look at those highlights, you'll see that the spectacular try that's scored by Jock Brazzle, which is their second try, is actually instigated by a massive hit-up from Nick Lanaz and an offload as he starts to breach the line. So he's, he gets that offload away in, in contact and then it just starts the, the string of passes that lead to the try being scored. So, um, uh, yeah, mate, I'm, I, we're, we're going to cover that game.
0: Yes, uh, we'll be out there. Tomorrow with live updates across uh, the 70 minutes of Jersey Flake action. A win tomorrow, 60s. Keeps the Eels in touch with the top. uh, Well, the Roosters are undefeated right now. They're four wins, zero losses, one buy. So they're out there on 10 points. The Eels enter this week on six points. But the Dogs and Sharks are in second and third with uh, eight points apiece. One's got three wins and a buy. One's got four wins, zero, uh, sorry, no buys. Uh, but then also the Penrith Panthers, who the Eels defeated a couple of weeks back, are uh, there with two wins, two losses and a bye. So a win here keeps you very much in play for the top four in the early exchanges of this season. So yeah, it'd be important to bank that against the West Tigers this week.
1: Yeah, it's... And you'd what you're really looking for when you're a team that's been fighting hard for wins is that if you if you're coming up against a team where maybe you have an expectation or other people have an expectation that you're going to be victorious that you don't let that impact on how you play your football and as you said there is a a, a good formula that the eels are following and it's, it's there's nothing fancy about it it's it's um they just look like a well drilled team right now with everyone knowing their role
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you just want to see more of the same
0: and then between the two grades, Jersey Fog and New South Wales Cup, there's a long, long break from the Good Friday to Easter Monday transition, where the New South Wales Cup plays curtain raiser to the main event in the NRL fixture, 1.40pm uh, kickoff for the New South Wales Cup 60s. It's out at a core stadium. The Western Suburbs Magpies hosting the Parramatta Eels. Of course, the Tigers, being a joint venture, have the different teams in different grades. Uh, so looking at these two teams, a bit of NRL talent spread across both of them, actually. Dane Laurie at fullback for the Western Suburbs Magpies. Will Smith, Brandon Wakeham, uh, former Parramatta Eels prospect Tarsi James, uh, Alex Safarff. So yeah, the, the Magpies not bereft of NRL talent in their lineup by any means, 60s. But for the Parramatta Eels, they look like this with Dejan Arce getting his first cap at fullback for the Blue and Gold after playing at center for the first couple of weeks since returning from an injury on the flanks, we have Isaac Lumi Lumi and Matthew Komalafi. Wanga Blake, who has been dropped from the NRL, will turn out in the centres for the New South Wales Cup, where he'll partner Zach Sini. Jordan Rankin, Jake Arfa. Unchanged in the halves, already spoken about Jake earlier this week. Sixties in a tremendous run of form here. Hope he can continue on uh, Easter Monday. Afake Ogden, Kai Rodwell, and Mitch Rain round out the front row. Tony Matteielli, Matt Dury, the other player to make way in the NRL with the return of Sean Lane. They're the edgeback rowers. Luca Moretti, the lock forward. Jaden Yates, Dan Kier, Jira Momosia and Tevita Tamapenu, the interchange, Nico Apelu, the reserve. Like I said, 1.40 p.m. kickoff here, 60s. Eels come into this round. I believe they're behind the Western Suburb Magpies. Yeah, it's 6v8 with uh, three wins, two losses for the Magpies, two wins, a draw, and two losses for the Eels. So the Eels half a win back on the Magpies, a chance obviously to leapfrog them on the back of it. Uh, but, yeah, th- this is one where they've got some serious question marks to sort of have to contain in the back line. Dane Laurie's speed, Will Smith's experience, Brendan Wakem's ability to run the ball, got to respect each and every one of those, uh, but the Eels looking pretty solid on paper.
1: Yeah, very much so. You referenced there the uh, form of young Jake Arthur, I will be writing a spotlight post on Jake over the weekend just to highlight some of what his stats are. That's beside the eye test of what we've seen in how he's been playing football. And there was a very interesting post that was written by Luke Lewis on New South Wales Rugby League about him seeing the future of Jake as a lock forward, which is interesting considering that this year has is being used as a consolidation year for Jake. Brad Arthur is using him exclusively as a halfback in the New South Wales Cup, giving him time for him to, I suppose, get his expertise in the number seven role to a level where... He it it's commensurate with his development, I guess. It like I I think he's Jake has always done a fine job playing in NRL, but he wants that consistency of directing a team for eighty minutes. And I think that's a fair enough call as well for someone who's only just recently turned twenty years of age, just at the end of last year. So having him as the backup half in the club, having getting giving him providing him with more experience in the halfback role at a senior level is probably the best for his development uh, at the moment. And he's showing that like he's, he's just absolutely dominating in the team. So, um, but outside of that, you've, you've mentioned some other names there. We're seeing Dejan Arcee playing in the fullback role and the, how many, how many different players have, filled in this role during this short season so far. We've we've had um, Jordan Rankins played there at fullback. We've had Isaac Loomy Lumi filling in at fullback. Um who else have we had playing there at fullback this season? Um mm.
0: so we started uh Jordan Rankin and then yep. Rankin moved into the halves. Uh, which meant, uh, who played the other one? Oh, of
1: course, of course, um, uh, Arthur miller Stevens. Arthur
0: Miller-Steven's correct, and then he got injured, um, which also corresponded to the return of Isaac Lillian from suspension. So we had him at fullback and now Dejan. So being a fair bit of rotation in the number one jersey for the Eels. Uh, with the return of Sean Russell uh, in terms of health, that probably puts a little bit less pressure on keeping Dejan in the centres, huh. which then paves the way for him to return to a position that I think he's got a bit of familiarity with. Uh, between fullback and 5'8, where he's more uh, experienced positions when he came to us via the Warriors and the Cowboys.
1: I guess one of the challenges for Parramatta in this regard is if you haven't had someone who's playing in the fullback role regularly, much the same as what we were just talking about with Jake, uh, getting that time consolidating his. Uh, and developing his skills as a halfback, his and his like his game management skills, especially because we've always known that he's a game manager, so that that doesn't that goes without saying. But at that senior level, we're we're talking about someone who's been a teen playing against older older blokes, so it's you know that is important when you're talking about development. Now, as far as Parramatta's concerned in the fullback role, there's been a fair statement used like if Gutho's injured, who comes in? as fullback and the answer basically at this stage is someone's going to be playing fullback who doesn't regularly play fullback Mm. and that's not ideal. So when you start talking about Dejan Arcee playing at fullback, will he now get to play that role consistently? Is he filling in until Arthur Miller-Steven returns If Arthur Miller-Steven returns, does he come back in a New South Wales Cup or does he come back in Jersey Flick? So, uh, because he's probably... A lot of
0: questions, isn't it? It's very very interesting to see how it's all going to play out. Obviously, depending on the return timeline for Miller-Steven, hopefully not too long because he's looking real sharp in the Cup. Uh, But yeah, getting someone to be able to hold down that fullback spot and not necessarily be the heir to Guffo right now, but just be his deputy in the short term uh, is important for the club. In terms of the players that join this team this week, 60s, Wanga, Blake, and Matt Dory, what do you need to see from them this week? Wanga obviously struggling for form in the, New, in the NRL. Sorry, hope he's not struggling for form in the New South Wales Cup, uh, where Matt Dory was the player to miss out in that big reshuffle facilitated by the return of Sean Lane. Uh, for Dory maybe there's a silver lining here in that he gets to uh, really, you know, get that match fitness up and get back to being an 80 minute player on the back of that knee injury that he's been coming back from, but for Wanger and him, what are the key factors this game?
1: Well, I think you've pretty much summed up with Matt Dury. I think what he needs is 80 minutes of football and being an edge player, that's probably what Nathan Kalis, Coach Nathan Kalis is going to be looking for from him is to get as close to 80 minutes as he can out of him. And then once that game time comes back up, well, then he's he's for a start he'd be back into consideration for a, an interchange role anyway. But when it comes to Wonga Blake, you know i I just need him to play uncomplicated football that allows him to get his confidence back up. That's he is a specimen of a player. We we've seen. Flashes of that during his time with the Eels, like little flashes of it. But he is—he is such a player that I suspect really lives in his head. Like the moments in games, I think might impact him more than some other players. Either if, if something good happens in the game early and his confidence is up, then we're going to see something. Something special from him in the game. Conversely, if something goes wrong early in a game, it feels like that's the sort of thing that can compound into a a, a bad role, of a bad sequence of moments throughout the game mm-hmm. for him. I mean, we do obviously have that Panthers game that maybe it's talked about a little bit too much with the uh, the the yips that he had under the high ball. But I think in referencing that, we can say that's probably symptomatic of a player who has talent but lacks confidence. And he just, it just feels like he has lost all confidence at the moment. And you can't, you can't have a player in first grade if he's not, if he doesn't have belief in himself. And I'm saying that from the outside looking in, but he just, that's what he looks like at the moment. A player doesn't believe in himself. So, um, yeah, what's your take on it, mate?
0: Yeah, I feel like for it's all mental, isn't it? Because like you yeah. said, he, he is absolutely a confidence player, has a early good involvement, gets a try or a try assist, and you can see him really settle, has that early drop or mistake, and suddenly he's inside his own head. So just going back to the New South Wales Cup, I mean, you mentioned... Uh, in the earlier podcast this week that you saw I, I believe it would have been Josh Morris, but one of the Morris boys uh, turning out in the cup and looking like an all world player uh, because of his, you know, combination of experience and, and physical prowess. And that's what I just got, go see gonna do. Go out there, run the ball strongly, tackle strongly, and uh, you know, really take control of his competition at this level. And uh, for Matt Dory, obviously, it's about getting those minutes in his leg and, and he's a physical wrecking ball. So I'm um, will he be playing with uh, will he be playing down the left edge in this one? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm
1: thinking that that's that's probably my thought of, yeah. of where he would be. I think Jake has a pretty good combination with uh, Tony Mattaielli on but the other.
0: Jake also has solid. a license by both sides too, so he'll he'll be a factor there as well. But yeah, just working with Rank there, obviously down that left edge then, and you know just being very physical. And that—that's probably going to be his, uh, you know, not calling card, but like a, a sort of aspirational goal out of this is just to be physical, play the eighty. And yeah,
1: and a um, bit of a shout out to to Luca Moretti, who has really kicked on this year to the point where it's not going to necessarily surprise me if he gets a little bit of NRL game time later in the year. If he continues the the path that he's taking at the moment, he's right up there in stats on uh, for forwards across the New South Wales Rugby League competition. And, yeah, I just think he's probably starting to show what we suspected he might when we got him from the Roosters Club. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, keep an, eye, keep an eye on him. There'll obviously be uh, a lot of uh, people who are able to see the game live out at ACOR on Monday. There'll be a lot of people who'll be able to watch it on New South Wales Rugby League, I believe, who are covering the game. Is that right? I this believe week? it'll be
0: on Fox slash uh, New South Wales Rugby League, yeah. So uh, you have plenty of accesses or means of access for this game if you can't get out there.
1: Yeah, so um, keep your eye... Keep your eye on him. Keep your eye on Tony Matteelli with his charges into the edge there. Uh, good to see Kai Rodwell starting to get a uh, a number of games under his belt. We, he had that um, uh, injury which kept him out for a couple of weeks. And um, Jaden Yates coming off the bench. Mate, he's is such a workhorse, Jaden. He really brings the energy, the line speed, the... Uh, there's plenty to like about him when he comes on. He primarily comes on and plays dummy half, but he can play that lock role. So, um, and um, uh, the other player that I always like when he comes onto the field is um, uh, Tavita Tomapenu, who, Mm. he he is a physical presence as well. So, um, yeah, watch, watch him when he comes off the bench as well.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty solid all-around team. They're starting to get back to full health, and obviously the injection of some NRL guys there in Blake and Dury should hopefully uh, catalyse both those players individually and the team. So they'll be playing at 1.40pm out at Accor Stadium, which leads us to the main event following this game, uh, with a 4pm kickoff at the same venue, as you'd imagine, Accor Stadium. The traditional Easter Monday clash between the West Tigers and the Parramatta Reels it being at a core would point to it being the West Tigers home game, and that is correct. The Eels had it last year, and we change on a yearly, a yearly basis. Quickly going through the West Tigers team 60s. Uh, they've got some changes for this roster, but mostly the same team that's been there for the first five rounds of this competition. At fullback, it's Charlie Staines. You've got Asu Kapoa and Junior Tupu on the wings. Brent Naden and Stafford Toa in the centres. Adam Dewey and Luke Brooks are in 5'8 and halfback respectively. Stefano Utoi Kamanu, Api Sai David Klemmer. there's your starting front row. Former paramaterial Isaiah Papalii, John Bateman, and Funua Pole in the back row. On the interchange, Jake Simpkin, Alex Twal, Joe Ofengahi, and Sean Bloor. Extended roster, Justin Matamua, Alex Saifarf, Brandon Wakem, Rua Ngatakura, and Dane Laurie. Now, just looking at that team there, I don't think Justin Matamua was named in any of the other grades, so he might be an NRL inclusion here. Um, that, that was the first thing that jumped out to me here, is that he was not named in Cup. No, you got got and Gotakura uh, There's a few players from that extended roster name, but no Matamua. So maybe there are some shenanigans at play in terms of the forward pack.
1: Yeah, it's... who, Who knows what's coming out of the West Tigers these days, mate? But what we have to make sure that we do is... Whoever takes the field in the opposition, you have to respect what they can do. Absolutely. And,
0: and I mean, looking at that team, uh, I mean, I was a bit sceptical of his health in terms of that shoulder, but John Bateman's been, like, tireless for them. He's been busting his backside. Uh, Abbey Carusel has also had some flashes, but just not having people go with him. So they've got some players that can cause, you know, disruptive plays. So the worth have to be awake to that. Uh, but, like can I, I d- said,
1: I was just going to say, just on that point too, uh, if I can just interject, one of the issues around having changes to that are significant, like what Coruscant has gone through, and I think to an extent that's happening with Josh Hodgson as well, is that one it doesn't matter all the and, and I was full of praise for what I was seeing from Josh Hodgson out there in the preseason on the training track is that once you get into the matches that the fact that the combinations are new in a in a match scenario if you if the if the communication isn't quite right as yet if the players aren't used to playing alongside each other they're having to grow into that and i think maybe that's been what's happening with Api Coriseau because we know what he's capable of mm-hmm. He's a premiership winner multiple times. So he's he should be delivering more for the West Tigers, but I think that has as much to do with the how new the combination is around him. And well the fact that he is one of the new new players in in those combinations, it's such a crucial role to be new to the unit and to be at your most effective. We're probably going to see better from Apicorosau as the season progresses. I'm hoping that it doesn't start with a, a real breakout game for them this weekend because we know how dangerous he's been against us in the past.
0: Yep. Now, talking about the Parramatta Real 60s, we've got a whole raft of changes. Sort of Some were tipped by uh, the the presence of certain players in the New South Wales Cup, but let's get to them. At fullback, captain of the team is Quentin Gufferson on the wings. Micah Seville will be on the left. But Hayes Dunster, making his return to the NRL, will be on the right. Been well over a year for Hayes since he sustained that full knee reconstructive injury in that trial against the Dragons. Been a real arduous journey for him, but he's done fantastically well to get back to this point and be in NRL contention, regardless of suspension to other players. he was His form had him right in the conversation. Really looking forward to seeing what he can bring to the team on that right edge in conjunction with Will Panasini, That brings us to the centres. With Will holding down that right edge, you're going to have Sean Russell making a, a very timely return from a shoulder injury, coming back into the team at left centre. Uh, Russell, not super experienced in this position in terms of pure game-time 60s, but he has trained here in the preseason extensively, and this was certainly uh, an outcome that the team was pre- uh, prepared for to get Sean back into first grade.
1: He had to fill in when Wonga Bra- Blake had the broken arm. And prior to that, he'd been playing on the wing uh, at training outside Will Pennacini. And, yeah, as I said then, when we had the, the broken arm to Wonga Blake, we saw him filling in at centre. He's, I guess it's, he's a footballer. Sean Russell is a footballer. And he's been adaptable across a range of positions, uh, be it wing, be it fullback, now centre. I guess what we're looking for is for again. Well, no, I'm gonna I, I wanna narrow it down. What I want from Sean is defense because what we were seeing from uh Wonga Blake was he had some real issues in defense, right? And that was that was causing that side of the field to I mean, we didn't have a lot we didn't see a lot of confidence from the defence on that side of the field and it was just there wasn't the there wasn't the communication that was there i think we're going to see an improvement with uh Sean Lane being back over on that side of the field as well so that's going to that's going to help Sean Lane is a great communicator out there and maybe maybe he's been that missing link in all of this because have we seen the best from Dylan Brown this year.
0: I think it's fair to say we haven't.
1: And if we've also seen Wonga looking a bit at sea, and we've had those times from uh, Dylan Brown where he's looked a little bit at sea out there, but Dylan's always... Dylan's. The thing is, Dylan's always been strong defensively, but we saw issues where there just didn't seem the communication... In defence, and um, even it almost felt like Dylan Brown's decision making in defence wasn't always what it should be, especially in that um, uh, in in the game where I think it was the really soft tries. Sharks was it against
0: was it against the sharks. Yeah, yeah. Quinn, yeah, Gull- Quinn Guffason got Simbin and they just scored some really easy tries down our left edge.
1: I don't sinbinned. He got so concussed.
0: You- Sorry. I- He got put in a concussion protocol for nothing.
1: Yeah, so you've got two talkers out there who were missing in uh, both Clint Gutherson and Sean Lane, and then you see how that exposed, you know, maybe players that aren't great communicators in Dylan Brown, in Wong and Blake, and Mike was. It just seemed to be that they looked all... (laughs) They, they, honestly, we were concerned watching that, that it might have been a case if they if they just kept going there, that they'd post as many tries as they wanted on the line. And I've never, ever felt that way watching Dylan Brown play or Dylan Brown defend because he's up there in the elite class. But, it, yeah, I think maybe that the the big factor there was, was that Sean Lane wasn't out on the field. And we know Sean is big on communication out there. Mm-hmm. So um yeah. So what I'm, what I'm looking for most just to get back to that is um, the defensive side of things, just making sure that um, Sean reads the defense well, because it is defending at center would be one of the toughest jobs because you're probably making more one-on-one yeah, you're, tackle.
0: You're on an Island. It's a, uh... You, you get left with the the worst outcomes where the teams have that sweeping fullback creating three-on-twos, two-on-ones, et cetera. So it is a very difficult assignment defensively. Going to be interesting to see how he handles it. Uh, but he'll be working with Mike Asivo, who's not exactly chump change when it comes to defence. He's pretty solid, and hopefully that works out pretty well for him. Uh, coming back to the house.
1: Half- but, but it is that, you know, as a winger, you have to follow the lead of whatever the centre is doing. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge for – that's been a bit of a challenge for Sivo because if what's been happening in, inside him, if there hasn't been as much certainty about it, we've probably seen him making some – Sevo makes some successful jams, like really jamming in and, and has he been left with any alternative when he's made those plays? I don't think he has. Yeah. I think he's had to – I think he's had to make that that really quick call to jam in, because it's been obvious that we're in trouble. If he hadn't jammed in, so yeah, you're right. He's made some he's made some good calls, but um, yeah, really wingers, they can look good or bad in defence depending on what happens with their the their player on their inside.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, continuing with the ten with sixties in the halves. We've already spoken about Dill, but he's in number six. Mitchell Moses number seven. Front row unchanged from last week. Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Josh Hodgson, and woodrum McGregor who did a pretty good job, honestly, 60s. As, as much as uh, you could probably nitpick some of his struggles defensively getting back into the line, he took on an extra workload and did a pretty solid job there. In the back row, well, Sean Lane, he's back on that left edge. It pushes Bryce Cartwright to the starting right edge, which in turn pushes Ryan Madison from the right edge to lock forward. So we've got a big sort of a cascading reshuffle there, and those cascading changes carry onto the bench where Jermaine Hopgood will move to the interchange after starting at Lock Forward for the first five games of the season. He's joined on the interchange by Brendan Hands, Jack Murchie and Makahesi Makatoa. We spoke about a New South Wales Cup team list, but Matt Dury, the man to make way at the very end of all those changes. He's on the extended roster alongside Jake Arthur, Offa Hickey Ogden, Kai Rodwell and Wonga Blake. So a very, I mean, it's, it's funny how quickly we go from complaining about bench depth to having someone like Matt Dury missing out. That's just the nature of football and getting guys healthy. Uh, But Sean Lane's inclusion massive in this team. Do you like the configuration that Brad Arthur and the coaches have gone with following his inclusion on that left edge, putting Cartwright to the right edge, Madison to start, Hopgood to the interchange? Would you have done it differently? Or uh, is there something you would have just considered maybe before making that change?
1: I think it's hard to be critical of the change. And and my thinking on that is to do with – the players that have been moved. So we talk about Jermaine Hopgood. Now, he started off the season on fire, but I think he's paid the penalty for the amount of defensive, for his defensive workload that he's had to carry. And when I say pay the penalty, I mean that there's been aspects of his attacking game, which we saw in the opening rounds that we're not seeing now, where he's not having as much of an impact And that's easy to understand because, first of all, you're talking about a bloke that hardly had any first-grade games under his belt at all before he's come to the, the Eels. He's essentially been a New South Wales Cup player prior to now. Now, we think he's a major NRL. He's been a major NRL talent running around in New South Wales Cup. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he hasn't been used to playing at the intensity level or for close to eighty minutes that he's been required to do since joining the Eels. And I think it reaches a point where it starts to take its toll. And I think it was I think it was taking its toll on Jermaine. Not in a in a massively bad way, but I think that BA's taken the step of arresting that before it's it's got to the stage where he's going to have him burnt out. Um, so, I think that's a really been a player, individual player management decision there. The other thing is, too, I think there'd been a, a little bit of doubt around how much of an impact our forwards had been able to create in these first few rounds. I'll tell you what, that's a massive size pack that we're fielding there without Junior. Uh, Reg is. If you see Reg in person, he is a massive human. Like, he really is. We're a move. My goodness. Um, Sean Lane is the tallest man in the world (laughs) when you meet him. I mean, he's not really, but he is, if you get my drift. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bryce Cartwright is quite the athlete. Then you look at the size of Ryan Madison at Lock. Now look at the bench and you're going to have to see that there's going to be – there will have to be a careful rotation there because that size isn't replicated on the bench, is it? And maybe that's – is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it just the way that it is? I guess when you've got Junior out of the action and – Matt Dury getting time in New South Wales Cup. That's the outcome. I think we've all agreed that Jermaine needs that time on the bench, but he's not hes not a big body. He's not small, but he's not a big body. He'll bring a different type of impact. Makahesi Makatoa is a worker when he comes onto the field, but he's not an impact player. He's not going to smash through the middle. Same with Jack Murchie. You know, he's... He's probably, he might have a little bit more skill level than Maka. He's got a bit more in the passing game. But he's still going to play a similar role and be a worker when he comes on. And, of course, we've got Brendan Hands who's going to to provide uh, relief for um, Josh Hodgson. But no one's going to come on and be like, say, uh, Murata Mm Nyukore, for example. So, and there's no one that has the size um, of Oregon Kafusi that's on the bench. So, you know, it, it. I think it's going to be interesting because when Junior comes back, then someone of size is going to push back to the bench, maybe Wirimu So... Uh, it's maybe not going to be the case. You meant you've referenced Wiramu earlier about the criticism that might be there for how quickly he can get back in defense. It, I, like I said, that they the Roosters did a smart job where they they picked a couple of times where he was jogging back in a position after making a tackle that they played, um. Uh, very quickly around the ruck, got the ball away to someone who's hitting it up right beside where he was running back into position. Now, to an extent, that can't be helped. When you're talking about someone as big as Wirimu making the tackle, then getting up off the ground to get back into position, as a team, you're going to have to wear the fact that if you want to carry someone of that size with that with his mobility or maybe lack thereof, what you're going to get in terms of his powerful carries and post contact meters and the physicality in defense where he's going to he's going to mostly hurt people with his tackles mm-hmm. the trade off is a little bit of mo- uh, issues around mobility so i don't blame him it's if i'm his size getting back into position i don't think i should be expected to be getting back as quick as, as say, a um, uh, 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 Bryce Cartwright or uh, even even someone as big as Matto should be able to get back. So uh, he's just not built that way.
0: And in terms of our opposition, uh, what what's the game plan for the Parramatta Real 60s? Do they just keep it simple? Do they be more expansive, more aggressive? Is this a game that you go back to the fundamentals after... Uh, sort of digging a, a hole for yourself in the opening exchanges against the Roosters of those simbins do you just focus on highly disciplined play or do you just play what the uh, Tigers give you?
1: I guess if we're just going on exposed form so far this year, we've seen that the Tigers have perhaps been overly reliant on an expansive game. Like they've really tried to hit the play down both wings, like really spread the ball almost play that 2005 type tigers football whether there's a change in thought at the moment as they hit that point of being 0 and 5 and hey things aren't working we've already seen the change up with in key positions that's happened if we go on exposed form I'm not too frightened by the type of attack that they've been dishing up. However, I suspect that, that type of attack has been what's taken away from Apicorosau. I think if they're, if they push a little bit more through the middle, they can cause us some problems because they've got some faster play players around the middle. And You'd have to think that if Luke Brooks is going to have one good game here, it might be yeah. it might be this game where he's coming up against a good mate in Mitch Moses. So he's probably going to be about as focused as he's ever likely to be. He's got a good foil in Happy Coruscant that's there. I and and John Bateman, he's got that fast leg speed that Mm -hmm. uh, that footwork that because he's not a big body by any stretch of the imagination he's just tough so there's a physical presence about him and he's got that fast leg speed he's got a bit of unpredictability about him so i'm more worried about them maybe changing things up a little bit than than what we've seen on exposed form um Can you prepare for them to change it up? I I don't know that you can. You've got to be – your preparations have to be based around mostly, mostly based around what they've done as a team and also what the predilections of certain players might be in terms of how they play. So, um, yeah, it's – I just don't know what to expect. (laughs) West Tigers. I don't. Mate, I I honestly don't. I mean, you can understand the frustrations of their supporters.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%.
1: Because they've had times in games where they have threatened to take the opposition's defence apart, like keeping the ball alive, making um, the – just stretching the defence. And then it's like something will – a horrible decision will happen. Like someone will do something and you just go, are you serious? Did you just do that? And it's, I don't know, is it symptomatic of a lack of discipline within the team? Oh, my! as I said to you, my concern is that there will be various factors that will have particular players in their team really focused this week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, Unfortunately, at least a couple of those are in the spine in, um, in Corosau and Brooks. And uh, like maybe Dewey's got a point to prove with his being moved around in different positions. Uh, Brooks has probably got a point to prove with all the criticism that's come his way and playing up against Moses. You got Happy Curacao coming up against the grand final opponents and wanting to prove that he's he was a key part of the Panthers' victory by leading the Tigers to victory in this one. I don't want to feel like there's an upset on the cards because I don't think there will be.
0: I mean, in but, reality, if the Parramatta Eels play to anywhere near their potential, they'll absolutely pump the West Tigers, even if they play plucky football. But unfortunately, that hasn't been true. The last couple of times these teams have met, it's been way closer than they should have been to the point where the Tigers actually sprung the upset in the corresponding match last year.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, I as I said to you, I think that Sean Lane is a massive inclusion in this team. I think you're going to see the mail that I get out of the out of the sheds is that the players are really positive in their mindset. Like they have not taken in any way a battering from in terms of confidence from how this first four or five weeks of the competition has gone. Because and they're not getting ahead of themselves in any way. Like they're not cocky and thinking, "Oh, we shouldn't be being beaten" or anything like that. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get this one. I'm I'm talking about that. There is a belief that they should have done better could have done better, that they aren't too far off the mark if they just keep focused, that the results are going to come their way. And I think you're going to see a lot of players I think there's a lot of accountability in this team. And I think they're going to be they're going to have a positive approach to this game. We we saw last year that there were games where we it's a horrible hackneyed phrase, but where we didn't turn up. And I think it's fair to say that that game against the Tigers last year, they didn't turn up with any sort of game. They, they didn't follow any game plan against the Tigers. That was one of their worst performances of the year, mm-hmm. even though they only lost by a field goal. Like the Tigers, I mean, Hastings played a very good game. In that match, but he's not with the Tigers now.
0: Yeah, here was the difference, obviously, with that big field goal he kicked in Golden Point. Uh, but yeah, for the Parramatta Eels, like I said, if they play to near their potential, they should be away with this one in a canter, which does lead me to our prediction 60s, uh, with the Eels looking to bounce back from a frustrating loss against the Roosters while the Tigers got absolutely pummeled up north of the border. Uh, which team bounces back best?
1: Yeah, look, I think that um, I can't see anything other than an Eels win. And if we play as we should, we win this game comfortably. Let's let's very quickly look at, at all the pros for our team. Gutherson's playing some of his best football at the moment. We'll, we'll agree on that. Uh, we've got... Sean Lane coming back in. So that we'd like to think that's going to produce a better better brand of football from Dylan Brown. Uh, Mitch Moses had an outstanding game against the Panthers in terms of game management. And I thought he tried his backside off against the Roosters. And some of the defensive plays that he was coming up with against the Roosters, you you could see that he was just doing everything in his power to try to steer the team, um, try to keep the team in the game last week. Will Pennicini, apart from that missed tackle late in the game, he was having an outstanding match against the Roosters. What I want to see more from is Mike Mm Casivo. I think we need to see better yardage from him. I think we know that Hayes is going to give his all in that regard. Hayes has this knack of beating the first offender. He has like just a little bit of a step and um, and then in contact, he's got quite good leg drive. I'd like to think we're going to see him give everything that he's got there uh, in, in his carries from the backfield. Um, it's a big ask for Sean in that regard because you want the back five. To be making those early meters in the sets, so um, but Sean plays a really brave brand of football. Like he doesn't shy away from contact. One iota, but it's a, it's a big ask first up after returning from his injury. Um, outside of that, I Reg had a quiet game last week against the Roosters by, by his standards. Yeah, I think he'll bounce back in a big way this week. And as I said, I think that um, we're going to see Sean Lane's influence being really important. And I think we're going to start... We're going to see a reinvigorated Jermaine Hopgood. And it sounds strange to say that only six games into the season when he started off on fire in in those first two, three games to start talking about a reinvigorated Jermaine Hopgood... But I think we'll see him bounce back to that what we were seeing from him in the first couple of games of the season. So I think there's a lot of threats in our team. To me, defence is going to be key for us in this. We don't want to get into another high-scoring battle. We don't want to concede tries. We don't want to play touch football with the West Tigers, do we?
0: No, absolutely not.
1: And when we've played our worst football, it's been that we've literally played some touch footy with the opposition. So, yeah. Uh, so, mate, I guess we're at the point, pointy end of our preview.
0: Yes, let's get the uh, the big calls out there. I mean, we know that these two teams can play gritty, ugly, close games. I'm going to tip the opposite. I'm going for a big win here. Uh, Eels, 42 to the Tigers, 12.
1: That is a big call, mate. Yeah, that it is, is a big, a big call.
0: Big... But, uh, I mean, once again, I'm, I'm just banking on the Eels actually playing to their potential here. I think Sean Lane's a big in. I think Sean Russell and Hayes Dunster are also significant inclusions. And I think that on the back of, like, the players you mentioned, Reagan Campbell-Gillard having a down game, he's going to bounce back. Um, you know, We're going to see guys like, hopefully, Mike Acevo bouncing back. So, across the park, if the Eels do what they need to do, they should win and win well.
1: I'm seeing us scoring a similarly similarly high number of points but unfortunately i think when we haven't quite got all of the defensive moments sorted i'm going to tip a 38 to 24 win so i still think it'll be 13 plus but i think we might leak more points than what i would like i'm i may change my mind if we get too much more in the way of rain and it becomes a a, a wet track, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking the thirty eight twenty four.
0: And then first try scorer. I mean, there's some interesting storylines you can go with here, boys, uh, with the returning trio of Lane, Russell, and Dunster. I don't know if any of them catch your fancy sixties.
1: I'm gonna no, I'm I'm gonna go for Mitch Moses. Mitch Moses, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I will go for Captain Quint Gufferson. So. We've not seen one that returning trio also been in the mix for the first try scorer, but yeah, I think the captain for me. And then best on field. Well, I think it's... Uh, I mean, there's going to be a number of players contributing massively if you're going to be scoring 40-plus points, but given how quiet he was last week, I'm going off Reg.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair call. I'm going to go with the model of consistency in the King, in Gutho.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's hard if I'm... Picking anyone else at the moment, it's it's a matter of supposition about how they're going to play, and I know what the King's been delivering in the last few weeks. I think if he delivers the same again, he'll be right up high in that mix. So I think it, for me, that's that's my safe bet is the King.
0: Mm-hmm. And on that note, we'll give it a wrap there. Eels of three games across the weekend, starting tomorrow on Good Friday with the Jersey Flag into that double header on Easter Monday sixties. Plenty of football, even without the junior reps, who will be back for the finals the week after. So they're hitting the point end of the season there. First time all three grades have been in the finals for the junior reps, which is an awesome moment for the club. Uh, But we'll be on that next week. For now, though, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. We'll catch you guys in the next episode.
1: Go you wheels.